This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm one of your hosts, Jackie, and this week, Rahul is off on vacation somewhere in Europe. Good news for him, he didn't have to watch that Chelsea game, but I'm joined by Matt from the Houston Blue Supporters Club. Matt, you've been on before, but welcome back. Thank you for having me. Of course, I really appreciate you coming on. I love having someone to discuss Chelsea with and bounce ideas off of, and Let's jump into the transfer window. It's been something that's really, really caught the eye of a lot of fans, including non-Chelsea fans who have been wondering, how are we spending all this money? Is Chelsea going to buy a, buy a trophy? And I think the answer is evidently no as we start. But uh, I'm going to run through our transfers. First of all, I think big kudos to the ownership for the cells. They've done a lot of outgoings that you and I have sat down over a beer and discussing how is this team going to go on for ever with 35 plus players they've done a great job moving on some players maybe not all that we agreed with but some didn't want to be here so we'll let that move on but incomings Matt I know we were looking at going back into last season even Fofana, Badiashile, Mudrik, Madueke, Gusto, Fernandez, Nkunku he was a secret one which that's a really good one in there Moreira, Jackson, Nicholas Jackson, Gabriel, Angela Gabriel, Leslie Uguochuku. Alex DeSassi, who is another surprise one. Robert Sanchez. I don't think we saw that one coming either. Moises Caicedo, Romeo Lavia, David Washington, Petrovic, who's a backup goalkeeper now with the Kepa situation, and most recently, Cole Palmer. That was a lot to go through. I'll pause here, my friend. What do you think of our transfer business in the last year? Uh, well, my head's still spinning <laughs> off all those names. Um, you know, like any other uh, business, right? You know, you have new ownership comes in, they want a clean house. And I think that's uh, exactly what they did. You know, they, they looked at the team, they looked at the results from last year and said, okay, hey, we, we got to get rid of the dead weight. We got to make some, some changes. And so, you know, they brought in a lot of players. Uh, they brought in a lot of talented players, yep. um, but they also got rid of a lot of players. And I think, you know, the biggest uh, fear for me is what kind of imbalance is that going to make in the future? Um, but yeah, we've, we brought in a lot of, a lot of really good talented players and it's really exciting to see them. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's one of those where Chelsea, I wouldn't say they've nailed down their transfer strategy yet, but you can see that it's going towards that youthful look, young players that maybe are not so proven yet, which I can Mm -hmm. echo what you're saying We're we're going to struggle to kind of see where they all fit in. Some of them may not make it at Chelsea, which is totally fine for us as fans, maybe not for the players coming in, but any one of these stand out as maybe a key player for you or who's going to be with Chelsea for a while and we can build around? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, be there for a while is, you know, all these players are on what, seven to eight year contracts. So they're going to be here for a while, whether they like it or not. But, um, you know, I'm really excited about Nico Jackson. Um, Mm. You know, he has got all the skills and talent that you would want in a striker. I mean, he was a he was a guy who was never he wasn't even on my radar whenever yep. they signed him. And just watching him play through preseason, through the first few games of the season, he's really got it. Mm-hmm. He still needs to, you know, he's a work in progress like everyone else, but uh, I'm really excited to see him come along and, you know, kind of be that Drogba version too. 
Um, the other guy I'm really excited about is Cole Palmer, and that's mainly because I don't know anything about him. Right. Whenever we signed him on, uh, I guess, Friday, yeah. uh, no idea who this guy was. I uh, just saw he was a city boy through and through, and we were paying 45 million pounds for him. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I've watched the tapes of him. He looks good. He looks good when he's played in the Premier League. So uh, I'm excited to see what he brings. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of Chelsea fans will echo what you're saying with Nicholas Jackson. We've been crying for a striker for a long time. And I know I don't want to put that pressure on him. Not that he's listening or hearing us, but maybe he is. <laughs> we met him in preseason and he may say, listen, these guys want me to score goals. <laughs> but for Chelsea fans, we are looking for someone to lead the line and get us those goals in key moments. And we'll talk more about him later when we discuss the game. But I know that he has a lot of weight to carry. So I'm hopeful that doesn't put pressure on him and he can kind of go from there. But a couple of key guys as well, I think, Getting the Caicedo deal across the finish line, that was a big one for Chelsea looking for a defensive midfielder. And and I do have to echo with you with Cole Palm. I think it's an interesting one. We do have some new, you know, upper management people that have come from Manchester City, obviously through Southampton, and maybe they know what he's all about. And so I think the ownership is allowing our directors to kind of put their hands into the mix and say, we've scouted a guy or we know a guy that can help Pochettino do the business. So no, overall, I think it's good. I think Chelsea fans, and you and I have talked about this, Matt, I don't think we're going to necessarily see this kind of spending season after season, right? No, definitely not. I mean, it's not sustainable, right? I mean, you know, this year was a little bit more palatable because we did get rid of so many players. And I think, like, overall, our net spin was just, like, maybe, like, 180 or something yeah. uh, because, you know, we got rid of 20-odd players at, like, like close to 300 million pounds. Right. So – Come next season, that's not gonna. We're not gonna have that option, right? So I think they're making a you know a good decision. Hey, let's go ahead. Let's bring in everyone now. Let's like get them to start playing together. Let's start gelling, and then you know let's start playing for the future. You know, I will say though the one the one target that I think that they should have brought in that they didn't bring in was a seasoned, experienced striker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, kind of like that Giroud, um, you know, uh, it's just, it, you, you look at Nico Jackson and it's like, oh, he's great. But, you know, you need someone that's going to come in in that last 10 minutes and really just get those goals in. So that's my, that's really my only negative critique about the transfer window. No, and that's fair because that was the next question is, did we miss out on somebody or a profile of somebody that could have helped us? And I think that is key. And I'll go a step further, Matt. I think we've been signing mostly guys that are, Young, and I know that's the vision, the long-term goal, but obviously maybe signing somebody with a bit more experience to help settle the team. You know, when mm-hmm. all the young guys are looking left, looking right, and wondering who's taking ownership, we have it in Thiago Silva. We have it in Ben Chilwell and Raheem Sterling, but maybe somebody to help settle the ship. And maybe that was an Nkunku, so we'll see what happens in the next mm-hmm. few weeks as he comes back from his injury. But that's a lot of transfer business there. I, for one, am glad that the window's closed. I don't have to stress about who's incoming and, and outgoing. And I'll tell you about outgoings in a second because we'll talk about Conor Gallagher, who is, <laughs> I think, a little little bit of a Houston fan favorite here. Let's transition into Chelsea versus Nottingham. And I think, Matt, you've lived in Nottingham, right, if I'm not mistaken. I have. You know the city a little bit. So what can you tell us about the city? And what can you tell us about the club? Maybe you got to watch a few games while you were out there. Absolutely. No, Nottingham is a wonderful, wonderful city. Uh, I lived there for, for a year and fell in love with it. Um, you know, I used to go on my runs and would run by uh, the city, uh, the city, city ground. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's got a lot of history there. I mean, they've won two European champions. They have. Championships. So uh, it's a city that really loves its football and, and going to the ground is, is so cool because it's, 
you know, every experience you get at the Premier League is awesome. But when you're in a stadium that's, you know, that size and you're right there on top of the players, you can't beat it. And, the, and like I said, the fans are amazing. The fans love their team. Um, a lot of history there. So, uh, yeah, big Nottingham, I guess, is my number two team if I had to pick. I don't think a lot of Chelsea fans would hear that after the result, but that's such a nice experience to have where you've spent time with that city and you know what it's all about. And yes, they do have a rich history where they've won a couple of Champions Leagues and they were in and out of it for a while. And so at least from a footballing perspective, nice to see them back in the Premier League. Just quickly high level, because I know you probably haven't followed all of their transfer incomings and outgoings, but they themselves have had a bit of a remake, just like Chelsea with signing a lot of players. What do you think this means for them is it going to help them become sustainable and stay in the premier league or is it kind of short-term thinking where they're signing as much as they can keep surviving and then hopefully build on it from there you know that's hard to say right every club has their own uh sort of strategy and what they are looking for every season right um i think nottingham i think their ultimate goal is to actually be you know back back competitive with the best yeah. And as we saw, right, they, I mean, I think they spent more on the last day of the transfer window, I probably more than, you know, any other club in the Premier League. Um, so I think it's a statement, right? They're saying that, hey, you know, we might have waited till the very end to get this done, but we're bringing in a lot of key players. And I mean, and they just brought in uh, Callum hudson Doys. So, yep. I mean, and they got him for four million or whatever it was. So, I mean, uh, I think th- I think they are, you know, putting a statement out there that they are here to stay in the Premier League. You know, they don't want to be in that relegation battle like they were last year in that they, uh, you know, they aim to be competitive. And look, look who they just beat. So that, that's I'm going to take that one with a grain of salt there. So we'll, <laughs> we'll dive right into it because you've led into it. Right. So Chelsea faced Nottingham on Saturday. We all got together at Johnny McElroy's. We were watching. I think there was a slight buzz in the air because we said mid-table team. Chelsea should be able to, to beat them. But then I, I stayed quiet for a minute because I think we were a mid-table team last year. So yeah. difficult to, <laughs> to go with that. Matt, I'll run through the formation just really quickly and we'll dissect it. But we go back to a 3-4-2-1 of sorts, which is mm-hmm. Sanchez and goal, obviously, as the, the primary goalkeeper. Sassi, Silva, and Colwell in the back three. Gusto on the right, Chilwell on the left. Gallagher and Caicedo in that pivot anchor kind of role. Uh, Raheem Sterling and Enzo Fernandez a little further forward, and of course, Nicholas Jackson leading the line. All through preseason, we saw a back four, and Mauricio Pochettino, since the season has started, has gone through kind of a hybrid back three, back four. We've seen Colwell tuck into the left. Are you happy with what we're seeing? Don't don't listen to everybody else out there. What's your personal opinion? You know, personally, I think, uh, I think they're doing great. Um, you know, I think the setup is is a setup that, is dependent on the players we have. You know, we have players that are on the wing that are Chilwell and and Gusto now that are making those forward runs. And I think that's just how our team is built. I think that's for us is the best makeup going forward. Now, I will say, you know, I'm more of a kind of a purist. I prefer that traditional back four to keep that, you know, keep that back line and defense steady. Um, But, you know, I think we have to play to our strengths, right? And we've got two great, uh, you know, wingbacks that are make good attacking runs and have the ability to track back. So again, you got to play with what you have. You really do. And I think that's where, as Chelsea fans, we get a little bit worried because I think we've seen the back three now going on two and a half years, maybe three. And it's worked for us a little bit, but after a while, I think it's gotten stale for some Chelsea fans where I think against a big team like Liverpool, throw in an extra center back we get it maybe we can we can be a bit more defensive but a lot of 
fans forget that we won the Champions League with a back three. We can be very attack- attacking and progressive. But again, I think it depends on the personnel, like you said. And so seeing four for all of preseason and seeing us have a little more attacking intent going forward, I'm wondering, and I guess only Pochettino will know because he's seeing you know, day in, day out what's going on in the training season. I'm wondering if against the Nottingham Forest, with, with full respect to them because we've just discussed their history, Maybe we could have an extra attacker up there and do a little more damage, but you know that's something we we won't find out till you know next games, and we'll see how that plays out. I want to talk about one player because we talked about outgoings a lot, and that was Conor Gallagher. He's a player that was linked with moves to maybe West Ham, Crystal Palace, even Tottenham towards the end of the transfer day. He stayed. I know when we are at the supporters clubs and we're watching together, a lot of the fans are pro Conor Gallagher. He's kind of a you know, workhorse for Pochettino. He does the dirty work that others are not doing. Your opinion, I kind of know your opinion, but I'd like to share it with the fans that are listening. Your opinion on Conor Gallagher, and are you happy that he's staying? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was uh, very, very pro Conor Gallagher throughout the transfer window. I did not want us to lose him. Um, you know, again, you know, Chelsea boy through and through. Um, you know, he was young player of the season uh, uh, not too many years ago uh, at Crystal Palace, was it? Yeah. Okay, and, and, you know, so he's got a lot of talent there. And he's never really, really been given that opportunity to shine. And so I'm glad Pochettino has kept the faith in him. All he did was sing his praises throughout preseason. Yep. And so when we kept hearing that he was being linked, I, you know, I just thought, you know, some, this just doesn't seem seem right, you know. he's The manager is saying all these great things. Like, why would you get rid of him? So, you know, at the end of the day, I'm really glad he stayed. Um, you know, and I think he's been showing uh, – you know, every, all the fans that, you know, he is not afraid to do the dirty work. He's going to put in that extra effort. You know, he's going to run himself into the ground. And so that's what you want to see. You want to see player playing with heart. And he does that. When all of the incomings are fit, the Lavia, the Enzos, those kind of players, is Conor Gallagher starting for you? Or is he going to maybe take second fiddle to some of these guys? You know, on paper, maybe if we're playing FIFA, you know, uh, <laughs> he's probably going to play, take second fiddle. But again, I think what we've seen in real world football is that it's all about how you act on the pitch, mm-hmm. what your work ethic is, what your, you know, how you interact with your fellow players. And he's a guy who's, you know, he's one of the only people that have actually been at Chelsea for longer than six months. Yeah, so scary. I think that's very important. Right. Um, so I think all the, it's going to come down to how he performs on the pitch. And and then also, you know, what sort of opposition are we coming up against? Yeah, he's definitely going to have to play to the strengths of the guys we have. And I think that's what's the beauty of having a midfield of three, four, five quality good players that can come in and out when needed. And of course, we're yet to see Lavia and hopefully that becomes an option there. But I'm with you. I'm singing Connor's praises. I love that he presses. I love that he doesn't complain when he's not playing, which is very important as a Chelsea player at this point in time, especially given our history of what's going on with so many players. But mm-hmm. we talk about Nottingham Forest coming back to the game. I think we started off well, Matt. I think high pressure, high possession. I think the problem kind of comes back to the same thing as we maybe don't take our chances when we create them, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we should have scored. I mean, as soon as we opened that that first push up towards the goal, uh, we had two chances. Casado to Jackson and then the Casado to Chilwell to Sterling. I mean, two chances sterling could have had uh, a goal within two minutes in two games in a row right so uh again just like last season chances chances are there we're just not maxing we're not taking those chances 
we're definitely not taking our chances. And and you mentioned Raheem Sterling and Matt, he's one that's come under a lot of criticism. And I, and I don't know, we on the Premier Chelsea have criticized him as well. And I don't know if it's right or wrong, but we, we deserve our say in the fact that he's a senior player and he's got a lot of skill and he's done it, been there for Manchester City. In the last couple of games, though, Raheem Sterling has really impressed us. And I think he's showing that he wants to be here. He's showing that he wants to be a leader. He's growing week in, week out with the games. But he can do it on his own. And so I think you've got to see some of the other guys around him maybe playing to his strengths. And I think Pochettino is working to build that. And maybe it, that comes with time and understanding. But what have you made of Raheem Sterling? Are you kind of sold on the Raheem Sterling that we got from Manchester City? Or are you waiting for more to come from him? Well, you know, it's funny you say that, right? Because this transfer window, I was the biggest get Raheem Sterling out of this club. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted him gone because looking at the Raheem Sterling of last year, he it didn't look like he wanted to be there. He was selfish. He would, you know, wait to the very last second to maybe attempt to pass. And if he did, yeah. it probably didn't go anywhere. And it just, it, he did not seem like the player that wanted to be at Chelsea. Start of this season, though, this is a completely different person he looks like he's having fun he's playing like he's having fun and that's if he can maintain this for the rest of the season that that is who we wanted so fingers crossed that's i think that's what all chelsea fans want is that raheem that would terrorize premier league defenders including chelsea ones unfortunately (laughs) get a goal here or there and and really just kind of lead this line and of course i think with him being one of the few senior guys above the age of 25, a lot of them are looking looking towards him. And we saw a couple of cute interviews between him and Cole Palmer where, of course, you do it for media duties, and I understand mm-hmm. that. But I think he's picked because of his senior you know, status in the dressing room and what he can bring to the squad. So I, for one, I'm hopeful that he can kind of grow from there. Let's transition a little bit to possession of the game. We talked mm-hmm. about it, but I don't have the official stats. But overall, Matt, it says that we had... of the ball, 23% possession. We had 21 shots to Forrest's seven. This is where it gets kind of frustrating for me. It's 21 shots, but only two on target for Chelsea. And of course, the scoreline ends 1-0 to Forrest. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a broken record. I've been saying this. You and I have been sitting next to each other at Johnny McElroy's, and we say, what do we need to do to get a goal? You've praised Nicholas Jackson. I'll talk about him for a second there. Fantastic at dribbling. Fantastic mm-hmm. at carrying the ball forward for us. But that final product and that miss, Matt, that miss that was also key for us to get that goal and take the pressure off. The what are your thoughts on what do we do there and maybe even lead into Nicholas Jackson? Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, that miss was uh, that miss was was rough. Um, you know, I think what we're seeing here with Nicholas Jackson is just a lack of experience, right? Mm-hmm. He is clearly got all the tangibles. He can dribble. He can hold the ball up well. He's finding himself in great spots. But, you know, it's experience that wins the games. And, you know, that goal that he missed, right, it was as simple as he lunged out for it with his leg. And by doing so, he flicked the ball up. Whereas had he just, instead of lunging for it, just taken another step and tapped it in, or that short little pass to Mudrik, who was standing there wide open, uh, but again, that is experience, right? Every 20-year-old that ever has ever played this sport, what do they want to do? Score the goal. <laughs> run to the run to the end and score the goal, right? They're not they're they're that's all they're thinking. They're not looking at all the different, you know, possibilities that are presenting themselves. 
So, you know, I think in time he is going to develop that kind of lethality that that drug by had, the one that you knew you could count on. If that ball went in the box, he was going to be there, right? Again, he's he, in the way that he the way that he attacks the goal. But again, it's just that finished product that just has to start start coming there. And it will, and it will. Yeah, that's what we're all hopeful for. Because I think everything you've outlined with Jackson is what a lot of us Chelsea fans are seeing. There's a lot of potential there. And I think we've bought a lot of players with potential and we want to finally see the end product. And I think we're excited to see the end product now, but it 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 isn't always going to be the case. They're going to need time to find their feet. And I, and I mean that quite literally is... Where do I need to be? When is Sterling going to make a cross? When is Fernandez going to put a through ball in for me? And those little things that they all need to do. I'm going to transition into Moises Caicedo for just a second here. 113 million, I think, formally was the was the bid for him. Accepted. Few more add-ons here and there. We chased him for a long time. First game that we saw him on his debut, not the greatest debut, and I think we'll leave that to. He was rushed in. We were already going to lose that game, give or take. This is a game where I think we're seeing Moises Caicedo kind of grow into this position, but I'm not sure if he's the finished product either, Matt, but I'll I'll pause you and let you give your thoughts on Moises Caicedo. Absolutely. I mean, look, none of these guys are the finished product, except Tiago Silva. (laughs) So everyone else out there is still trying to find their feet. And I liked what I saw with Caicedo, though, this game, right? He... He was popping up in good positions. Uh, that that goal that almost occurred in the second minute, right? It was a uh, Caicedo to to Jackson, then Caicedo to Chilwell to Sterling, right? So he's been involved, right? So he's he's making those passes. My only concern with Caicedo is, you know, we were bringing him in to play that more defensive, yeah. be that more defensive midfielder. When what we were seeing in this game was he was pretty high up the pitch most games. So, you know, that's that's a concern just as long as as long as he doesn't, you know, as long as he's not doing that every single game, he's yeah. actually, you know, maintaining and providing that defensive cover. Um, but, you know, overall, again, I think he he's shown what he can do at Brighton. So uh, I'm excited to see him and Enzo partner up. And when that when that partnership really starts to flourish, that's going to be something to watch. That's what's going to be key is when they have almost the telepathy to kind of know where the other guy is and mm-hmm. not have to worry about what my partner is doing. If I'm going forward, he stays back. If he stays back, I can bomb forward just to have that trust, I think is the key word. And that comes with time, like you're saying, and hopefully we can see that sooner rather than later. Cause I think it will get interesting over the next few games. Obviously we're going to go an international break here. And so maybe a couple of the guys that are not going, will have time to get fit and play together and, and go from there. But we'll pause on that for a second. Anthony Ilanga comes on for Nottingham forest Scores a lovely goal, I must say. As a, as a Chelsea fan, sometimes you just got to raise your hand up and say, yeah. it's a fantastic goal, great finish, good for the young lad. But is there anything we could have done different, Matt? Is it just we were excited, we were on the front foot, we wanted to get that goal and we ignored defensive duties or left spaces in back? Or is it just one of those where you say, you just got to let it go because they had everything go right for them? Well, I wouldn't say they had everything go right for them. They were in the, they were in the right spot. Yeah. And if you look at that goal, it was an in, uh, a terrible Enzo pass to uh, either Gallagher or Caicedo, one of the two, and it was just a terrible pass. It didn't it didn't even get to them. And then next thing you know, right, we're halfway up the field because what yep. we're seeing is we're making these quick attacking transitions. 
So our team's already pushing up the field to go get that goal when that pass is interrupted. And then the worst thing that can happen in football, the nutmeg. And poor Tiago Silva <laughs> stood no chance. It's just a straight nutmeg right through the legs, right, right open to, you know, a, a quick and easy goal. So, again, got to give credit to Nottingham Forest. Yep. They're playing the counterattack. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. Um, but, again, you know, the the passes were sloppy on our end. So that's something we got to clean up. And I think when we do that, we won't have these these little sitters happen. And that's what's frustrating, right? Is I think right. you look at the possession, you look at the shooting. Obviously, we're not too, putting too many on target, but we do have a lot of control over the game. It's when we make unfortunate mistakes, these little mistakes that can cost us also dearly very quickly. But you mentioned Tiago Silva. I think I'm going to wrap up the fourth segment with him. I'm a big fan of Tiago Silva. I've been since the first day he pulled on a Chelsea shirt. He's done everything right. There have been a minority of Chelsea fans, especially online, that have said that Tiago Silva maybe is an issue. Uh, his age is there. We're trying to squeeze him in to play a back three. I disagree with this. I think Pochettino is going to play a back three regardless. I think that's what he wants to do. But mm-hmm. Silva bounced back online and, and made a little comment about, you can blame me for the loss as well. I'm okay with it. But really, we are playing a back four, and it is what it is. Forget everything that's going on between Silva and a fan, right? Thiago Silva is approaching 39, or he might already be 39. Are you seeing any issues with him being in the starting 11? Obviously, they gave the captain's armband, I beg your pardon, to uh, Chilwell, and then before him, Reese when Reese is fit. So I think when Chilwell goes off, it's passed over to Enzo, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm, you know, I, I think I saw that correctly. Correct. Are we seeing the end of Thiago Silva? Are we trying to phase him out? Is he an <clears throat> issue, or are fans just being a little bit rash at this point in time? Well, as we know, fans uh, fans are very fickle, so uh, <laughs> they will they will harp on a player for even doing something good. So I take that with a grain of salt. But that being said, um, I wrote on here for my my notes prepping for this show: uh, Is Tiago finally showing his age? There you go. <laughs> so that being said, though, do I start Tiago or do I not start Tiago? I start him. Yep. He's got the experience. I mean, when you're 38, 39 years old, you've, you've played against the best. Yep. I mean, I want to I want to say it was Ibrahimovic that said the best defender he's ever played against was Thiago Silva. Mm-hmm. So you cannot replicate that experience and the leadership that he provides. Maybe he's getting a little slower, but at the end of the day, right? Do you want that experience and the leadership in your lineup, or do you want to trust these games to someone young? who, you know, you don't know how they're going to react once, uh, when whatever happens in the game, right? So uh, I do think that this is probably, you know, this season will probably be Thiago Silva's last game for Chelsea uh, in a Chelsea kit. But again, I think right now he is our best option in central defense. You're 100% right, at least in my opinion. And, and with Chaloba being out injured, Badia Shield not fit yet, Fofana out on a long-term injury, I think either you're changing this to a formation of 4-3-2-1 like we talked about or 4-2-3-1, whatever you want to call it, and he's dropped and he's on the bench, or you're playing with this because you as the coach want this and he is the right person to be in the middle. And I look at the guy to his left, and that's Levi Colwell. I think he's 19-20 and has a, a big future ahead of him, but he needs to learn from the best as to where to be, where to stand. And I look to the guy to his right and the sassy, and he's made a couple of mistakes, but... This is his first season in the Premier League, and he needs to learn 
what are some tips and tricks of the trade, especially being in the Premier League, a fast-paced league compared to France, where to stand, what to do, how to tackle. And who better to learn from from Thiago Silva rather than him sitting on the bench? You want to learn in this in-game type of play. So I'm hopeful that Chelsea fans kind of lay off his back. We can't just use him as a scapegoat because he's 38, 39, and somebody found a nutmeg through him. Then I always use the example, Matt, and I know it's a few years ago, but his first game for Chelsea... I think he makes a mistake instantaneously, gives the ball away, and they score. Mm -hmm. And I think he comes out online and apologizes. And from there, he doesn't make a mistake going on for 50 games, which is very Thiago Silva-like. So I'm hoping from here no one ever nutmegs him again because he loves (laughs) that and Chelsea fans will will take a break there. But any wrapping up thoughts on Nottingham Forest before we take a break? Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, right, got to give credit to Nottingham. Uh, they they stuck to their game plan. They played well. Um, but again, my biggest takeaway is you look at these stats. These stats got to equal more goals. Yeah. You can't you can't have 21, 21 shots and only two on target. Uh, you can't you can't have seventy seven percent possession and score no goals. So the fundamentals are there. There, right. It's just make the most of those chances. Oh, and we had eight corners to their zero. <laughs> I mean, so, got 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 to score. Somewhere along the line, a corner should be a goal. Uh, ex- extra possession should be a goal. 21 shots should be a goal. But it's a story of Chelsea. And hopefully these are things Pochettino is noting and working on in the training ground. And we can kind of build from there. But Matt, let me take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. And we will be right back. The Premier Chelsea has partnered with Fubo TV. Fubo TV is your home for live sports and TV without a cable in the US and Canada. You can watch on all your devices, which means you don't have to miss any of the actions or goals that Chelsea score in the Premier League and Champions League. You heard that right. Fubo TV Networks broadcast Premier League, Champions League, and many other leagues and tournaments. So what are you waiting for? Start your free trial today at FuboTV.com forward slash TPC. All right, and we are back, guys. I think we've talked enough Chelsea. For those of you who don't know, Matt is a big football-slash-soccer fan, and so he follows more than just Chelsea, as a lot of us do out there, because we're keeping an eye on what's going on in the Premier League. Matt, we just like to talk about a few of these other games and just get your feedback on what's going on in and around the Premier League. Of course, Manchester City, the dominant party, as always, beating Fulham 5-1. I think Erling Haaland coming in with a hat-trick. Business as usual, I guess. Business as usual. They're uh, they're my favorites for the league again. Favorites for your league. And I, and I think for most people at this point in time, well, I'll ask you that question towards the end of this segment here. But uh, Burnley 2, Tottenham 5. Matt, when I looked at Tottenham losing Harry Kane and I looked at them bringing in a new manager, relatively unknown, no disrespect to Ange. I wouldn't say his last name, but Ange P. Um, you thought that maybe they would struggle. But so far, at least early days, they're looking like a decent side, looking like they're back to doing some good things. And as a Chelsea fan, I don't always like to say that, but we have to discuss this and talk about it. What have you made of Ange's debut in the Premier League in the first few games and Tottenham overall? Yeah, you know, Tottenham has been a big surprise. Uh, I did not think Tottenham would be getting the results that they have been getting. Uh, I think Son is playing uh, lights out. I mean, he got a hat trick as well. So uh, I think he's... Now that he's kind of the main man uh, and Harry Kane is gone, he's taking that opportunity and making the most of it. Now, again, everything always comes down to, is it sustainable? You know, first three games of the season, first four games, could be a flash in the pan. We'll see. 
I think that's what's key is that we have to look at some of these teams and say they might be punching above their weight for now. And I and I mean that with full respect because we are definitely punching below our weight, at least as a Chelsea mm-hmm. fan. So we'll see how this plays out. Let's talk a little bit about Brighton Newcastle. This was a very, very tasty fixture, especially because we know what Brighton have been doing over the last couple of seasons, notably last season. And Newcastle, for all the money that they have, Matt, they've not gone out and broken the bank. They've kind of spent, at least in my opinion, in the positions they've needed with players that are probably suited to those positions versus superstars. Um, And that's not disrespecting maybe the likes of Isak that's come in in the last few seasons. And recently, of course, Tonali coming in, who's a fantastic midfielder for them. But Brighton seemed to be sipping something completely different. They beat them 3-1, find a way to get the business done. We don't like talking about Brighton on this on this channel because of how we've been stiffed by them a few times in, in the <laughs> transfer market. But what do you make of Brighton overall and maybe the result with Newcastle and, and your thoughts on Newcastle as well? You know, Brighton is an exciting team. Uh, and, you know, who would have thought three, four years ago when we've been talking about how exciting a game to watch Brighton versus Newcastle would have, would have so. never crossed our lips. But here we are. Um, Brighton have done a great job. They're putting together... Uh, a really, really good team. You know, I think Chelsea could have been the best thing for them. You know, Potter we took Potter from them, opened them up to a new manager, new style of play. We've been basically funding their entire transfer uh, window. So, <laughs> you know, Brighton have done a very, very good job. Uh, Newcastle, you know, I'm not going to lie. I really thought last season's effort from Newcastle was, uh, I felt like they punched way above their weight. Mm. Yep. Um, so, you know, I don't think a top four finish is going to be uh, the same for Newcastle. Uh, but, you know, I think they have enough there. They've done well in the transfer window that, you know, they didn't they they aren't a bad team. So I don't see them finishing top four. But Brighton is exciting. I, I love the way that they play. I love that the players that they brought in. Um, Brighton, to me, is definitely a top four team. And they always find a way to sell a key member of their squad and replace him immediately with another player that becomes maybe the next Moises Caicedo or the next McAllister, mm-hmm. which whoever's doing their scouting, let's go. Actually, never mind. Chelsea, stop doing business with Brighton. Stop <laughs> money. We can figure things out on our own. Uh, Matt, Liverpool 3, Aston Villa nail. I got to watch Villa in preseason. They look like a decent team. Obviously, Unai Emery is a good manager from what we can see with his Europa Leagues. And he did all right at Arsenal for a little bit as well. But Liverpool finding a way just to get the business done again. Do you think, before you talk about Liverpool, do you think Villa is going to perform well this season like they did last? Or do you think they're going to kind of quiet down a little bit? I think Villa is going to quiet down. I think they're going to be a very mid to lower mid team. Um, I think, you know, they made a big push at the end of last season. Um but I think that was more of out of just, uh, you know, they switched managers. They, they needed to, to get some results in. Um, but I think, see, you know, one season with, uh, with Emery, I think we're going to see uh, a very kind of just mid-table team. For sure. And coming to Liverpool, Matt, I, I'm not going to try to say this guy's name, but I'll give it a shot. Dominic Slobosly. Did I say that right? That's eh, close enough. <laughs> <laughs> I know when you and I have chatted offline, he was a player that, definitely was exciting for you and you would hope that Chelsea were looking at him he comes in scores a goal he's looking like the real deal just like you predicted coming in from from Germany what do you make of Liverpool overall and do you think that Dominic is the right profile and maybe the guy to help build this midfield and take them forward 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I sing his praises uh, for the last two years. Uh, I, I really wanted Chelsea to go out there and grab this guy. Um, you know, he's a good central attacking midfielder. And I think that's really where Liverpool have been hurting. They, yeah. um, you know, they've been very dependent on Salah. I think it was a great bit of uh, transfer business for them to not and resist the Saudi money. Um, but, you know, Salah is not going to be there forever. And so I think, you know, obviously we got the the one up on him a few times during the transfer window. But I think, yeah, you know, uh, overall, I think they've brought in the right players for their system. And I think Klopp will be very happy. Um, and, I, you know, I think it's uh, they still have an exciting team to watch. Yeah, they really do. And I think with them signing the right profile of players, they can be competitive again. And we'll talk about the, the Premier League table here in just a second. But... Let's transition over to probably the biggest game of the weekend, in my opinion. That's Arsenal versus Manchester United. The game ends 3-1. Man, I don't know if you had a chance to watch it or maybe catch the highlights, but it was definitely a nail-biter. Arsenal, you know, dominating for the longest part. Martin Odegaard scoring a beautiful goal to equalize after Man United get the early day. Man United score in extra time. It's ruled offside. And then Arsenal come back with goals with Declan Rice and Gabriel Jesus. So definitely exciting, lots of drama. What do you make of Arsenal? Where are they going to finish in the league? And what do you make of Man United and how they've started the season? Well, I think, uh, you know, let's talk about Arsenal. Uh, I think they're picking up right where they left off. Um, you know, they have brought in a lot of key players, um, mainly Kai Havertz. You know, he's going to be great for uh, <laughs> missing chances and hopefully – uh, you know, not not allowing them to to win, but um, but in all seriousness, you know, Declan Rice is a good player that they brought in. Uh, Gabriel Jesus, now that he's healthy and fit, you know, he's always been a very very talented uh, striker. He's a goal scorer. Um, so I think you know, I think Arsenal they're they're here to stay. Um, you know, I imagine they'll probably be you know runner up again uh, yep. for the league. Um, but you know, United, I think they got a lot of problems on their hands. Um, you know, we've been seeing some reports about uh, Sancho and there's kind of some disagreements and uh, stuff going on in the training ground. Um, I think Tin Hogg might kind of be having some, you know, player power issues there. Yeah. Uh, Mounts has not been playing well at all. So, you know, great for us. Um, I just think they kind of they don't really have their identity yet. Yeah. Uh, they've got good players. I just think they're struggling for an identity. Yeah. So and I think that's what a lot of these teams that are maybe supposed to be in the upper echelons of the Premier League and are kind of being a little lower are are looking for that identity. But do you think they can crack that top five, top six Man United this season? It's, I know they did it last year, but it's going to be tough to kind of repeat that with obviously Liverpool strengthening, Tottenham looking good, Arsenal, Brighton, some of these guys all trying to get that those same spots. You know, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say Chelsea is going to, they're going to finish above Man United this season. Okay. Um, okay. Again, we got, we got our own growing pains, our yep. own identity crisis, but I think Chelsea will end up finishing ahead of United. Um, to me, you know, I still think United, you know, they'll probably seventh or better. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things, right? You, if you don't, if you don't get your team straightened out and there's, there's some, some sort of drama and issues that mm -hmm. are kind of seen through the team, as we saw with Chelsea, that can that can throw off, that can throw a wrench in your entire season's plan. So I think Ten Hag has a big challenge on his hands at the moment. So if he can get that under control, maybe they'll finish better. But uh, definitely, I think you know seven or better. 
I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out towards the rest of the season and, and would love Chelsea to finish above them because that means we're super close to those Champions League places in, in fifth, fourth, third. Uh, if not, at least we're above Man United and we can take a little bit of positivity out of the season <laughs> here. But uh, early days, obviously, let me run through the Premier League table. I'll go through the top four right now at this time. Manchester City in first place, Tottenham second, Liverpool third, and West Ham United in fourth. So they've started off the season very well as well. Uh, bottom three, Burnley in 20th spot, Luton 19th, and Everton in the 18th spot. So Everton, another one flirting with danger. They've been doing this a couple of times in the last seasons. Uh, early days again, like I said, so we'll wait and see how that plays out. But mm-hmm. Matt, before we wrap up the episode today, we're going on international break. I'm not going to quiz you about anything on international break. <laughs> I'm not sure if we'll have the time to follow and watch. But what are your expectations for Chelsea when we come back? We don't have the easiest run of games. Some might say West Ham, Luton, Wimbledon, of course, in the FA Cup and Nottingham would have been you know, all wins. Obviously, that was not the truth. And when we come back from international break, it's Bournemouth. Aston Villa, Brighton in the EFL Cup, Fulham, Burnley, then it goes to Arsenal, Brentford, Tottenham, Man City, Newcastle. It just kind of gets a little progressively difficult. What are your expectations and thoughts when we come back from the international break? Well, first off, I hate this international break. I don't know why it's <laughs> I don't even know why it's still in the calendars because all it does is just throw off every team's, you know, all the preseason that they've done. It just yep. kind of, you know, throws them off. That being said, you know, I think we're going to see uh, Chelsea kind of seize this opportunity. Um, You know, we need a statement win. Uh, Bournemouth has typically had our number over the last couple seasons. Uh, But I think Bournemouth is not the same team that they were the last two seasons. So I think if Chelsea can get a win here uh, or a win at Bournemouth, then they can carry on. And hopefully on paper, those teams all look beatable. So get some wins under the belt, go into this, the big matches, the Brighton match, the city match. And then, you know, we'll, we'll at least have some momentum behind us. Um, so, yeah, so I think, you know, I think uh, we've got a good opportunity here. So we just got to make sure we uh, seize those chances. We really do. And I think I know some of our players will be out on international duty, but for those that remain and for Bochettino that has a smaller squad to work with, maybe he can continue to drill in his ideas and what he wants to do with them. But I, I have to agree with you. Bournemouth, Villa, I'll skip Brighton and the EFL. That's a separate game. But Bournemouth, Villa, Fulham, Burnley. I think those four, ideally, I'd like to see nine points, maybe more out of those four mm-hmm. games and just really go on a run and build the confidence and and maybe even kind of the motivation of this team saying, yeah, we can string together two, three, four good results before we get to the Arsenal, Brentford, Tottenham, Manchester City run. And from there, at least I know we can start to fight and show what we can do. So I'm looking forward to Pochettino maybe putting a little more of his stamp on this team. I love that the transfer window is closed, so there's no more incomings and outgoings. We can kind of focus on who's here. We hopefully get to see Lavia make his debut after the international fixtures as well, which would be great. But I think that's just going to be it for now, and we'll hope for the best, and we'll continue watching a Johnny McElroy's together. But Matt, before you wrap up the the episode, any parting thoughts from you? Um, You know, injury right uh i think we get a lot of players that are out um that are soon to be fit and ready to go um so you know the beauty of the of the international break is you know two more weeks for players to to rest and get healthy so i think you know i'm excited to see uh this team build with one another and grow and i really am excited to see this rest of the season i mean i know 
early days, right? A couple of losses. It's not panic. It's going to get better. Got to have I patience. Def- I definitely have to agree with you. And before we wrap up, Matt, my co-host Rahul, who's enjoying Europe right now, sent a text and he said he wants his voice to be heard. He said, stay calm. Don't panic. Give it time. So I think he's echoing what you're saying as well. So <laughs> it's a nice way to end it. Matt, before we go, one more thing. Can you plug the Houston Blues? Tell us where we can find you, where we watch games, anything you want to share for the listeners out there. Absolutely. Uh, if you find yourself visiting in Houston, Texas, uh, come join us. We are the Houston Blues. You can find us on Instagram at Houston Blues SC. Uh, we watch all of our games at Johnny McElroy's. Um, so looking forward to uh, anyone that wants to come and join. We'll be there. Come and join us, guys. It's a fun time. But that wraps it up. Thanks for listening. You can find us at the Premier Chelsea on Instagram and other handles and the, at the at Premier Chelsea for Twitter. And listen in on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on all major podcast platforms. So thanks for listening, guys, and take care. Bye. Hey, guys. The Premier Chelsea is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top-quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home, so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.